0: Welcome to the Quick and Dirty Tips to Slim Down and Shape Up. My name is Brock Armstrong and I'm the Get Fit Guy, and today we're going to talk about why I think you should run up and down a hill over and over again. Picture this. It's a dark winter night, it's negative 20 degrees celsius outside, or negative 4 fahrenheit, and a group of runners are diligently following their coach, that's me, up and down a rather steep and snow-covered hill. There's some laughter, some shouting, and of course some cursing, but mostly there is the steady, deep breathing sound of hard charging athletes who are working to improve their spring marathon finishing times. How will they do this? Why would they do this? Well, let's start with some research. In 2012, a group of Australian researchers used the latest technology to investigate the question of what is the best way to run on hills? They coerced a bunch of runners to go out and run on a hilly 10-kilometer course while wearing a portable gas analyzer to measure oxygen consumption, a GPS to measure their speed and acceleration, a heart rate monitor, and an activity tracker to measure their stride rate and stride length. The results were published in the Medicine and Science in Sport and Exercise, and it suggested that most runners make two mistakes on hills. They run too fast, uphill, and not fast enough, downhill. Wait, what? I know, that seems odd, but stick with me. Now think about the last long run that you went on. When you were running on the flat terrain, the speed that you ran at was limited by your heart and lungs, which were doing their best to transport oxygen to the muscles in your core, your legs, and various other parts that you use while you're running. Now, when you try to nail that same pace while dragging your booty up a hill, you'll notice that you're almost immediately breathing harder than you were when you were on the flat terrain, and that's because you need to suck more oxygen in so you can power your hill climbing legs. The problem here is that trying to maintain that same speed on a hill as you were on the flat ground, assuming that's even possible, is that once you get to the top of the hill, you'll need more time to recover from this extra oxygen-sucking effort. In the study, the runners took an extra 78 seconds to return to their initial speed after cresting a hill, and a delay like that can completely negate any of the potential benefit from all that hard work that you were doing while you were going up that hill. So the researchers suggested that a better approach than going as hard as you can up the hill would be to decrease your speed slightly on the way up the hill. And they believe that this slight slowdown should be more than compensated for by being able to return to the faster running speed once the terrain levels out again. Now on the downhill part of the study, the opposite was true. Due to the quadricep-busting impact involved in running downhill and the relentless pull of gravity, most of us simply can't run fast enough to actually get to the point where we're actually limited by the oxygen that we can gulp like we were on flat ground or running up a hill. The results were much less consistent than the uphill and the level sections of the experiment. Some runners were able to run far closer to their aerobic limits than others were, gaining valuable time without becoming significantly more tired, which is super cool and a big reason why I believe downhill running is absolutely worth practicing, even on a dark, cold winter's night. As a bipedal species, there are a couple of reasons why we generally back off while we're running downhill. The first one is, well, it's hard on our legs and it raises the risk of impact injury. And the second one is, it's easy to lose control and wipe out when you give gravity the reins. But because of reason number one, it appears to be prudent to actually limit downhill training to short sprints on a gentle grade as was demonstrated by a 2008 study from the Marquette University in Wisconsin that was titled the optimal downhill slope for acute overspeed running. Now, they found that a 10% grade or a 5.7 degree slope was ideal to maximize your speed, and a 40-yard sprint was the ideal distance to reap the benefits without you, your quads, or your knees blowing up. So, With all of this in mind, it appears that the advice, slow down on the ascent and speed up on the descent, should help you rock those hills. But you're going to need to practice this to find the right balance. And this is why I had my athletes out running hills, even in the middle of winter. Whether you're running, cycling, cross country skiing, speed walking, I mean, you name it. Getting out there and going up and down a hill over and over and over and over and over again is the best way to maximize your ability to handle them when it counts. But before you slip on your shoes and start running up and down the steepest hill you can find, let's avoid any chance of ending up injured due to the too much, too soon principle and talk about some prehab. Creating a circuit of the following exercises and then doing them a couple of times a week for a few weeks will help prepare your body for the punishment that hills can dole out. Now the first exercise is sideways lunges to work the quads and glutes. Then squats to work the glutes, hamstrings, and quads. Then deadlifts to strengthen glutes, hamstrings, and calves, which will give you some stability and some control on your downhills. And then step-ups to develop powerful quads and stronger hill climbing abilities. And the last one is the forward lunge to build stability and strength that helps you maintain good running form while you go up and down and up and down that hill. Now I'd suggest doing each move about 10 or 15 times in a circuit three or four times through. Mixing this circuit in with your regular running program will not only keep you out of the physiotherapist's office, but it'll also turn you into a hill crushing machine. All right, let's hit the slopes. The great thing about hill repeats is that running up hills can improve your running form by increasing your knee lift, your joint mobility, and neuromuscular fitness, which is how well your nervous system communicates with your muscles. Hills can also improve muscular strength, which is your ability to produce force, and your power, which is your ability to produce a lot of force really quickly. And as we learned sort of from that Australian study that we talked about earlier, running on hills can provide a real added cardiovascular boost. I know what you're thinking now, what can running downhill do for me? Well, it can improve your foot speed, increase your range of motion, make you a smoother and more efficient runner on any terrain, and it will reduce your risk of injuries as you become more like a mountain goat and less like a Sasquatch. Okay, while you're running those uphills, here's a few things to remember. Number one, the most common advice you might hear is lean into the hill. But this often causes runners to lean from their waist, which not only messes with your posture, but it also makes it harder for you to get that much-needed oxygen into your lungs. You do want to lean forward into the hill, but make sure you're leaning from the ankles and not the waist. Now number two is keep your head and eyes up, looking about 30 meters in front of you. If you drop your gaze and your head, you'll again limit how much oxygen you can suck in, and that head position could cause you to slouch and hunch. And number three, drive your arms or elbows straight forward and back and use them like pistons. I find that if you concentrate on just driving your elbows back, you'll get the best results. Now number four is focus on driving your knee up the hill not into the hill like you might do if you maintained that same form from your normal knee drive and number five planter flex which is point your toes towards the ground at the ankle now think of yourself exploding off your ankle and using that last bit of power that you get from your toe to propel yourself up the hill with minimal energy expenditure But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything.
1: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be
0: unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in
1: today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula.
0: Okay, now when you're running back down the hill, you can keep these tips in mind. Number one, just like running uphill, you want to have a slight lean forward to take advantage of the downhill. But don't overdo the lean. You only need to do a slight tilt to benefit from gravity. And of course, if you lean too much, you'll land on your face. I like to think of myself as one of those cartoon waders that you see running with a huge stack of plates that has to keep moving at the right pace. Otherwise, the huge stack of plates will topple and crash. Yeah, like that. Number two, keep your arms relaxed and only slightly moving forward and back. I mean, you don't want to flail them out to the sides because this will waste energy. I like to repeat the phrase, just go limp as I run down hills. Now, number three is keep your head up and your eyes looking forward instead of down as much as you can and still be safe. Number four is land with your foot beneath your torso. Extending your leg too much will cause you to land on your heel, which will act like a break. Focus on landing toward the midfoot to maintain speed without losing control. And number five, your stride length will naturally extend while you're running downhill, but don't consciously increase it. The pace and the grade of the hill will do this naturally. Okay, now let's get into what hill training actually does. When you're pumping iron, if you want to see some improvement in your maximum bench press, well, you don't do a ton of lightweight reps or simply do your reps faster. No, you increase the amount of weight that you put on the bar, so you have to increase the force that is required to complete each rep. Well, hills are the running equivalent of putting more weight on the bar. If you want to get stronger and faster, you must increase the force requirements of the workout. Tempo runs and time trials and fast sprints on a track are really good for speed, but they don't necessarily generate maximum force, at least not like hills do. The great thing about running on hills is that we can target all three types of muscle fibers, or muscle cells. We can target the slow twitch, or type 1 fibers, which produce the least force of the fiber types but works aerobically, which means it takes a long time to fatigue. We can also target the intermediate fast twitch, or type 2a fibers, which produce more force than the slow twitch, creating the long, powerful strides which we often associated with those middle distance runners. And we can also target the fast twitch, or type 2b, which produce the most force, but they function anaerobically and are only useful for very short bursts. So we can leverage all of these muscle cells by using long hill runs for endurance, long hill reps for strength, and short hill reps for speed. Now let's dive into each one of those. The long hill runs. Performing a long hill, or hills, during a run can increase the percentage of slow-twitch fibers that are recruited, and this creates extra resistance, strengthens our fibers, increases ankle flexibility, improves our stride, reduces neural inhibition, improves coordination between muscle groups, and recruits intermediate fibers, improving coordination between the fiber types. Now, I suggest adding a half mile to a mile of moderately steep uphill running into your weekly long run. After a while, you can increase the volume of the uphill to 2 or 3 miles, but make sure you keep the effort comfortably aerobic. If you go too hard, it'll end up just decreasing the volume of hill work that you're able to do and increasing the time it takes to recover. Now, long hill repeats can almost be viewed as a form of strength training. The powerful contractions caused by lifting the hips, the glutes, and quads while you're running up the hill relies on the same mechanics as many plyometric exercises. And as a bonus, because long hill repeats are pretty darn intense and last between 30 and 90 seconds, they are also great VO2 max workouts. This is what a long hill progression might entail—4 to 8 reps of 30 seconds up the hill with a 2 to 3 minute rest then 4 to 8 reps of 60 seconds running up a hill with 3 to 4 minutes of rest, and then 4 to 6 reps of 90 seconds running up the hill with 4 to 5 minutes of rest. A simple rule for these workouts is to finish every repetition of the workout with just enough gas in the tank to run one or more of those repeats if your coach were to suddenly surprise you with some extra bonus reps. It's kind of like a Goldilocks type of pace, not too hard but not too soft. Now, the last one is short hill repeats, and this workout achieves two training objectives for distance runners. It strengthens all three types of muscle fiber and reduces neuromuscular inhibition, which is one of the root causes of the strength discrepancies between left side and right side muscles that's seen in most athletes. To do this workout, start by sprinting up a steep hill at 90 to 95% maximum effort to recruit the most muscle fibers possible. I suggest starting with four or five reps of 30 to 60 meters, which would take you about five to 10 seconds, up a really steep hill. Then build up over time to eight or 12 reps. And make sure to recover by walking back down the hill and waiting until your heart rate falls back into a comfortable zone, which could take one or two minutes. And now here's a couple of extra bonus hill workouts. The first one is bounding. A great way to develop strength and stride efficiency is to incorporate bounding drills into our program. Use a moderate grade of 6-7% for this workout, and perform the following variations of the bounding drill. And The first one is vertical. Drive off your toes of your back foot, lift the opposite knee high, and emphasize vertical or upward movement, and land on the opposite or your front foot, and then repeat. The next one is horizontal, which is the same as the vertical, but you're going to concentrate on the length of your bound, not the height. It's fun to imagine yourself as kind of a speed skater doing this one, sort of bounding side to side. And the final one is skipping. Uh, you likely know what skipping is, but just in case, it's the same as the vertical bounding, but you land on the same foot as you started the bound on, and then you take a step and do it with the opposite foot, again springing vertically and landing on that foot, and rinse and repeat. Now I suggest doing these for 50 to 70 meters and then jog nice and easy back down the hill before you start your next one. And just one to two reps of each bounding drill is likely enough. And it'll also limit the number of curious stares that you get because you might look like a weirdo skipping up the hill. And our final hill workout is downhill strides. So finally, this workout is great for building quadriceps strength. And here's a pro tip. If you can, do this workout on grass, or a dirt trail, or somewhere else that's soft, and will soften the blow. When you run downhill, your quadriceps contract eccentrically to prevent your knees from buckling. At the same time, your knees bend slightly, stretching the quadriceps. The balancing of these forces results in eccentric contractions which recruit fewer muscle fibers, increasing the force required from those that are activated. It also results in more damage to those recruited fibers due to the increased force. This results in stronger quadriceps, better knee drive, and a superhuman resistance to quad soreness. Okay, maybe not that last one, but you should get less and less sore the more often you practice this one. When you start doing this workout, stick to 4-5 to repeats of 60-100 to 100 meters on a moderately steep grade of 6-7%. Run at about 85% of your maximum pace and then take two or three minutes of recovery between hills. After a while, you can increase this to six or eight reps at 90 to 95% of your effort, but don't force it. Make sure you give your body time to get proficient and efficient at this one so, well, so you don't wind up with bags of ice on your knees. All right, are you convinced? Well, a recent study published in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning looked at the connection between treadmill intervals at an incline and running economy. The researchers compared three groups of runners. One group that performed 4-6 high-intensity treadmill intervals for an average of 2 minutes and 16 seconds with no incline. One group that performed 10-14 30-second high-intensity intervals at a 10% incline, and a control group which continued fiddling around with their regular routines. The researchers found that both interval groups similarly improved aspects of their running economy during the six-week study. Now, another study published just last year in the International Journal of Sport Physiology and Performance had 20 well-trained runners perform an incremental treadmill test to determine aerobic and biomechanical measures, a series of jumps on a force plate to determine neuromuscular fitness, and a five kilometer time trial. They performed six weeks of high intensity uphill running intervals and then repeated the same set of tests. In the end, they discovered that not only did running economy improve, but the runners were also 2% faster on average in their 5K time trial performances. So, as you can see, after only six weeks of running up and down hills, slowly, quickly, short, and long, Well, that can have a dramatic effect on your economy and your performance. If you combine this training protocol with the advice of slow down on the ascent and speed up on the descent, you will be blowing past your competition on either side of the mountain. So I'm Brock Armstrong, the Get Fit Guy, asking you, what are you waiting for? Go get fit.